Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. My name is Brad Watson, and today's episode is going to be about bringing the mission to apartment complexes. And we're going to talk with a few people that are connected to an organization called Apartment Life, which pairs believers with apartment complexes in a very awesome business endeavor as well as missional endeavor. And so uh, we're going to be diving into that and sharing stories as well as talking to the founder or CEO of that organization. Before we do, I just want to touch on a few things that are happening uh, in the Saturate world. If you missed our series on everyday disciples in the podcast, I highly recommend you go back and listen to those episodes. It is super encouraging for me to participate in the interviews, but the stories that people are saying and the articulation of the gospel in all of those areas, uh, I think will be very encouraging to you. As well as if you're someone who's equipping and leading the church, I think you can look at those responses and you can see this is what a gospel-fluent disciple looks like, not just a gospel-fluent pastor, if you will. I just can't talk about those those conversations enough go back look at the everyday disciple podcast Uh, also we have a few events coming up uh, in the saturate world one in the south one in los angeles hometown woot woot make sure you're you're always checking on the saturate the world.com slash events page also if you're ever interested in bringing one of us or a team of us to your city and your church don't hesitate to ask. We're happy to pray and evaluate uh, all of those those events and those requests as they come up to come to your church and, and speak about the gospel in everyday life, as well as the mission in everyday life. Uh, we love doing that stuff. But today, we're going to be talking about apartment life. First, I'm going to interview Chris and Bethany Preby, who are uh, leading uh, Soma Church in Phoenix, uh, Missio de Peoria uh, in North Phoenix and uh, their experience in apartments, uh, living out the gospel, leading a missional community in that. And then I'll talk to CEO Pete Kelly of Apartment Life on just the vision behind that. It's like we have the same DNA. It's really beautiful as we continue to explore how the gospel touches every part of life. Thanks for joining us today. I think you're going to enjoy it. This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing and living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Chris and Bethany Preby, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Super excited you're here. Yes. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, this is a a great episode. I think talking about uh, how missional communities can can reach and kind of build themselves around apartments and apartment complexes, and also partner with uh, Apartment Life, uh, this organization that it almost feels like it was designed to help missional communities, which is kind of great. Uh, and you guys have a long history with, with that organization being on staff and being on the team. So yeah, so excited to, to have you guys here. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely do have that long history, like you said, in lots of different <laughs> perspectives on it. Um, and so we're, we're super excited to talk about it too, but it's one of our favorite things to talk about is our time with apartment life and, all the ways it's shaped our lives and changed our lives. Yeah. 
But I think I'm mostly just excited to brag that we got to be on the Saturday podcast. <laughs> that is, that's, that gives you some street cred, you know, in a really tiny section of the world. <laughs> As I say, I was like, have, have you been on the Saturday podcast? And like, <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. This is really great podcast you need to listen to. So exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, yeah, it's kind of served up well. Maybe you guys could start by sharing your story of, of how did you get connected to apartment life mm-hmm. and, and how has it impacted your lives? Yeah. So somehow I can't even remember exactly how, but when I was um, in probably my sophomore year of college, I had heard of this idea of apartment life and moving into communities to be backyard missionaries. And I thought it was very romantic and loved the idea and um, was ready to start looking into it. I wanted to go somewhere out of state um, for something different because, you know, in college you're always looking for adventure. Mm-hmm. And so I was getting ready to apply. And then all of a sudden I start hanging out with this really amazing guy, um, Chris Preeby, and then I wasn't so sure I was ready to go. So it kind of just got pushed into the back of my mind. And then about a year and a half later, we got married and started kind of talking to Chris about the idea. And Chris wasn't so sure about it yet. And so again, it kind of got pushed to the back of, of the burner, the back burner, the back of our minds. And then it was kind of like God made it very clear where he was calling us. And um, we went through a stage in our life where we had bought a, a teeny home um, on the outskirts of town, and it was right around that big housing boom in 2006. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we bought 2006. I had no credit, and so we had a really weird loan um, off of his credit and my no credit. And we we're like, "Oh, no problem. We'll refinance in two years." But in two years, everything had crashed, mm-hmm. and we lost so much value in our home. At the same time, we were pregnant with twins, or I was pregnant with twins, and. <laughs> I went to the hospital at 22 weeks and stayed there till 28 weeks. And so we're racking up medical bills. And on top of that, um, I was working um, for Latino coalition on grants and the grants ran out. So all these like things were just swirling around us that were, you know, changing our, our home, our life and all that. And Chris said, you know what, I think maybe I need to actually rethink about this apartment life thing. And so that's kind of when we, we dived into becoming a team. Yeah, so that my version of that, <laughs> if you're asking that. <laughs> yeah. Is, uh, yeah, we first started like hanging out and she, she didn't know that there was apartment life, like that it was operating in Phoenix where we live. And so she was like talking to me about, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to move to Atlanta and do this thing. And I was like, what? We just started hanging out. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Then later, like she said, when we were married, uh, what finally brought me around was, yeah, basically a very selfish and practical reason. Um, because for anyone listening who doesn't know, there is um, to be a team with apartment life and to live on site on an apartment property uh, with the organization, building community and getting to know residents and stuff like that. There is a perk with a little bit of help with rent. And so... <laughs> my my selfish self was like, "Hey, we're moving our house. Maybe God is calling us." To <laughs> yeah, Maybe it was not created by the gospel or by mission or by a love of neighbor or anything. Yeah, uh, and I still took that, and it was for my wife, but it wasn't for me. Yeah, 
and God took that and used it and changed my heart. So then you guys got into this apartment complex. What was what were you asked to do and, and then how did it evolve from there? Yeah, so the premise of why we're invited to live into these apartment communities is we are partnering with basically the apartment staff. Like they do all the business and they have to go and knock on doors and collect rent when people aren't paying and you know, they have to do all the business side. And so they welcome in apartment life to kind of be the softer side, the community mm. builders. And so we, when we first started, it was based on hours. And so we were doing sometimes like eight, nine events mm. a month, kind of like hone that in to be more of a package deal. And so um, by the time we were ending with apartment life, we were doing three or four events a month for the community. We might, you know, do something where we hand them a breakfast on their way out um, to work mm. or school or, you know, we invite them in for dinner. We were at a property that was a lot of medical students. So providing meals was like a really big deal for them. They didn't have time to cook. So they'd love to come down and get a little break or we would gear it towards that community and we might do a study break. And so we might be out there at 11 o'clock at night to provide snacks for these med students who are, you know, prepping for the big test and things like that. And then we would um, welcome residents as they moved in. We would knock on their door We'd bring our little cute twins with us, hmm. um, the icebreaker, and we just welcome them to the community and, and let them know there was somebody here who was available for questions to connect them hmm. to other residents. And then the last part was really that we would just make ourselves available hmm. to care about the community, to um, bring somebody dinner when they are sick, or to invite them over, hmm. you know, for a meal. Just ways of basically. Um, the way that we're all called to live, but in America, we typically don't because we have the excuse of time right. and busyness and all those. And so basically you're, you were, you're like paid and subsidized to live in this place and live out the gospel, like being servants, like creating family, mm-hmm. caring for people, like being a blessing and just coming up with different ways to do that. And that was like your job as a team. It's like when I was a kid and my friends got an allowance for cleaning the room. And I was like, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> I could clean my room. Like, you're, you're just right. supposed to do that. Like, you're for it. Like, that's how we felt. Like, we're, we're supposed to be doing yeah. this. We're supposed to be loving our neighbor. We're supposed to be having them mm. into our homes. We're supposed to be, like, friendly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And, yeah, we got, like, this bonus perk. So it was really, like learning the fact that we are missionaries even in our own neighborhood, but with training wheels to get us started, you know? Yeah. That's so awesome. What's really interesting um, is when we, you know, first got our house that kept us from being a kerosene or a person, we were um, so excited because we're like, Oh, we're going to use this space to invite people in. We're going to know all of our neighbors, you know, all these great ideas that um, all of a sudden we're like, oh man, we don't have time today. We'll talk to our neighbors later. Or, you know, we just drive into our our garage and shut the garage because we didn't have time. And apartment life broke us out of that bad habit by providing hmm. the ability to live the way we were supposed to. It was a two-year commitment. I think we ended up doing it for five. Yeah. And hmm. we, we, we just loved it. Yeah. And it's changed our habits, right? Like we, hmm. it's a habit now to just live in a way it's a cult, you know, culture of our family. Yeah, it's mm. established for our family. Like, I remember our twins at one point when they were, like, two years old. Because they, they pretty much grew up on that apartment property. Um, 
for five, the first five years of their life. And so I remember they were around two years old and they would play this little game where they would go knock on the bedroom door and welcome the brother as a neighbor. Like, <laughs> yeah. We're used to just going to neighbors' houses and like knocking on their doors and like, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. You just moved in. Can we help you move? Like, That's so awesome. So that it informed the way that we played. Even. Yeah. Wow. And so then I guess, yeah, you guys were doing that for five years. Yeah, how did how did the people in that apartment respond? How did how did that kind of get connected to other Christians' disciples? You know, apartments in general are transient communities, right? Like people are you you can sign a lease for even six months, or you know, some places you can do like a month at a time, or maybe at most you're there a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So. By nature, that's just kind of how apartment properties are. Ours especially, though, as Bethany said, there's a lot of med students. We live right across from Midwestern University. And so a lot of people were just like, they're here from out of state, going to school, and they don't know anybody. And so there is that initial awkwardness of like, whoa, why are you going out of your way to uh, be so friendly and to come get to know us? Uh, But then once they realize like, oh, this is for real, like you really want to hang out you really want to know us mm-hmm. or especially because we were doing events by the pool, like we'd have like free food all the time. Yeah. No students going to turn away free food. So <laughs> people like ate up the community side of it for sure. And then what that did is that just afforded us opportunities to talk about what we love, which is the gospel and mm-hmm. to share Jesus with them. Mm-hmm. And then we had this, church community that just started coming alongside us and, you know, eventually over time formed this missional community around that. But it was like a bunch of believers that were like, Hey, what you're doing is great. And we want to learn how to love our neighbors too. And you live right next to us. Let us come help you with some of your events. Hmm. We had a really good coach too from uh, through apartment life, Joel Scott. And I remember there was one time we were sitting down and we were just kind of talking about like our lives are always very busy. We have a lot of different things going on. And he just kind of called us out a little bit too in the beginning on that we we weren't fully making our life there. We were doing the events um, and we would like check off the boxes, but he kind of called us out on where we actually doing life where God had placed us. And so that kind of shifted and it started being very intentional that when we were hanging out with our believing friends, we would purposely barbecue at the pool to be there. And we started eating dinner on our patio. So, you know, we could meet people when they walked by. And so that was a big shift of um, bringing more people into our community, both from our church family and then from the neighbors next door. And the world started colliding a lot more naturally than scheduling. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's so awesome. And yeah, I can see how that was life changing. It's just kind of amazing how God used my wife and I got caught up in that housing crisis as well and the market crash. And and it's just amazing how God uses things that we think are so devastating to actually put us in like the greatest opportunities for mission, you know, like, and, and to be light to the world around us. But yeah, like uh, I've even, I've just been reflecting on the that passage, you know, be salt and light. And one of the things that has caught my attention recently is how the imperatives are not like put yourself on a lamppost or make your city on a hill. It's more of God saying like, look, I've put you in the place to maximize 
your lightness. Mm -hmm. So just shine, you know, like just be who you are. Uh, I'm going to take care of putting you in the right spots. And that's just, it's just beautiful to hear that from your story and, and to hear the support and how God really did like orchestrate that mission and then give you everything that you needed to do it. And you know, what's crazy about that is like Bethany mentioned earlier, we were, we had every intention of doing that in Mm -hmm. our house before uh, moving into apartment life. And we just didn't, we just got busy. What's crazy is a lot of that stuff we were busying ourselves with was church stuff mm-hmm. inside of the confines of a mm-hmm. Sunday morning and building. And so like, oh, we can't, we got to run to this church event. So I don't have time to stop and talk to yeah. my neighbor. And so God really used that experience to kind of break us of that mentality and to kind of shift like, what is our role as the church and what is our, what does our time look like to where... One of the biggest lessons I think I learned in that time for me was learning to embrace the interruptions of yeah. life. Yeah. Hmm. So we had this uh, neighbor at one point in the apartments and she was an elderly lady and she just, she really wanted to talk, you know, she, for whatever hmm. reason, she enjoyed our company. And for the longest time, I was like, Hey, I'm on my way out to the car. Like I got to go somewhere. I don't have time to talk right now. But when we, when God kind of broke us of that mentality Mm -hmm. and that habit, and just like when we would see her on our way out to the car to actually stop and it's okay if we're going to be 10 minutes late to this thing, just listen to her, you know, just sit and be with her. The times we didn't feel like it, but like didn't bite someone over for coffee, even though we just wanted to like chill out and watch Netflix. Most things, those were the moments where like Mm -hmm. ministry happened, you know? the moments where conversations had breakthroughs and we were able to get to the gospel in deeper ways than we were in the scheduled planned out times. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so you guys did that for five years. And then I think from there, if I understand your story correct, like Chris, you became like a quipper pastor in this church. Uh, and Bethany, you, you continued on helping support apartment life just regionally. Is that right? Yeah. So I, Jumped on as staff as the um, as a program director for um, Phoenix, and so I, I got to coach all of our teams. Like we, you know, I was mentioning Joel Scott coached us for a while and had that influence on how mm-hmm. we live missionally. Then I got to do that for our teams, and then um, had a lot of fun getting to actually start coaching our program directors for our for our region, um, and did that for almost another five years, I think, four mm-hmm. years maybe. Yeah, it seemed like we couldn't escape apartment life. <laughs> we didn't want well, that's so awesome. Yeah, it was our even our time at closing out of being a team there on site was like we loved it. That's why we kept going. Like we got to our two year commitment. We're like, no, let's keep doing this. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. Yeah, kept doing it. It was almost five years, uh, not quite five. And then for whatever reason, we both just like we both had been feeling the spirit telling us, okay, it's time mm-hmm. uh, to move move into another neighborhood. And so it wasn't out of like a man, we can't wait to get out of here type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we each kind of came to each other like, Hey, I've been feeling this. We're like, okay, we don't know how God's going to provide for us to uh, move, to afford that move. But, and then he did. So long story short though, like that was around the season where that job opened up for Bethany to move into that role. Like you said, Brad, I had um, become taken on an equipping pastoral role with our church and we had just other members of our body starting to look into what mm-hmm. would it look like for them to become a team. And so mm-hmm. now stepping into this role of, Oh, now 
you know, I, I had been leading a missional community around this apartment like thing. Now I get the opportunity to help coach and equip other people to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so then your church, uh, which is built around missional communities as well, began to have multiple communities with that same vision. Is that right? Yeah. We always had like one at a time pretty much, but we've had three or four additional cares teams. And it's just, it's like so naturally set up to have an MC gather around it because there's so many places for them to get involved. Like that's sometimes hard for some of our MCs is like, how do you, how do you involve people with kids? How do you, you know, right. 20 people and, um, apartment life, you know, cares, well, we were cares teams then. So you're going to hear me say that. I don't think they call them that anymore, but, um, it's just such a perfect setup to keep everybody involved between the different events and kids, you know, often can join it. Sometimes they can't, but you can even do those barbecues on your own around the pool and stuff. Yeah. I'd say just like it was like the training wheels for us learning to be missionaries. If you're part of equipping a church that's wanting to live missionally, it's like a softball to mission, <laughs> to getting a community of people on mission. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Sets it up for you. That's so great. And, and I think that that's, it's so funny because that's stuff that if you're a pastor or like on the leadership team of a church, moving towards missional communities or doing that, it's, that is always the thing of like, how do we help with these logistics? How do we even set up leaders really well to to live this out and find a mission and, you know, have the time to do it. And, and basically it just sounds like what you guys have been part of supporting and leading and participating in is this kind of like perfect parachurch organization that's coming alongside is like, no, we'll like free people up, give them the resources, mm-hmm. coach them, help them like, see their whole like apartment complex as their mission field and, and even have hours for them to do that. It's just, and then what, and then you're just welcoming other people from your community into that. That's just, I mean, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have yeah. Members of our church now, members of our family that we're not a care. We're not a team with apartment life, but they came because of that. So because we had other people, living mm-hmm. in on an apartment property we've had other people enter in to our church body that way like through that door yeah. that are still with us which is really cool and a really smart thing that apartment life has tried to model is like they try to really hard to place people in apartment communities that are within you know three to five miles from where your church gathers Hmm. communities that kind of changes it because sometimes you know your communities are spread more out so it gives you more options but they you know from where your larger gathering is they try to place you close to it so it's a natural um, fit to do life you know in the partner community it's a natural fit for people from the church to come into your community and people from the community to come into your church family yeah oh it's so good and and so I guess if, I mean, there's probably, I imagine there's people listening right now that are just like, either they're pastors or they're uh, people in a similar spot to you, like where housing's just like a big part of their life and and also wanting to step into mission. And so I guess maybe Bethany, you could answer this question is like, if someone's considering that, what kind of advice do you have? How would you explain to them like the best the best things to process as they consider it? Yeah, to see if this is a good fit for them. Yeah. I think Chris both kind of like would talk about um, like call and circumstance, you know? Hmm. 
think that, you know, for us, we were very blessed that God worked on Chris's heart during the time of coming in because he wasn't ready for, you know, he didn't know he was ready for apartment life and it turned out great. But we've seen other people who have come in just because of circumstance, like maybe a the church and like, Oh, this takes care of housing and they move in. And it's, it's not an easy commitment. Right. You you have to be able to, to say, God, I am ready to commit to this community, to this family, uh, people, you know, and, and have that drive to stick with it because there's a lot of times you come in with these high expectations that, you know, you're going to be able to grow your church this way or, right. or whatever. And then, you know, not as many people are coming into the, to the Sunday gatherings as you hoped. And you, and you are putting more attention on your church family and then you neglect your, your mission to apartment life or to the apartments right. you're at. So you really have to pray about, can I really commit to living life out here? Is that going to fit in with where God's calling me in other directions hmm. right now? I don't know. What would you add to that? Chris? Yeah. I, I just like to say that I think that was gold right there. Like, so I, I just sum it up to people like it has to come out of a love for neighbor, not hmm. as a means to an end. Right. But if you're doing it out of love for a neighbor, it does have its perks. <laughs> it does, it does yeah. help with the means, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I think for anybody who can, stick it out because a lot of times it gets hard. I mean, you have people knocking on your door. I mean, we had a season of life where we had um, a neighbor who was dealing with uh, alcohol abuse and his marriage falling apart. And there was a season where, you know, we had him sleeping on our couch and Chris was taking him to detox. Um, so you, wow. you are yeah. very involved in lives. And so you have to have some bandwidth yeah. to be able to make that happen. And, you have to also have commitment, you know, um, because one of the things that when I was working on staff that was really hard is people who would come in with the romantic idea, like I had in the beginning, this is going to be adventurous, fun. And then it's all those daily little things that make the difference, not these big romantic um, gestures of mission. Mm-hmm. And you get weary in the, the daily and it's not as fun as you thought, or it's harder mm-hmm. than you thought, or something becomes more appealing, you know, in this other direction. And you just kind of, tell your uh, your staff member that God's calling you somewhere else and you leave and you leave this really bad hole with apartment life, a bad taste in the manager's mouth from mm-hmm. lack of commitment, residents feel bailed on. And so it is really important that you can also follow through with commitment, yeah. not just for apartment life, but for your own growth, like to just right. learn to, speak, you know? Yeah. Which is just so, I mean, everything you're saying is just so true on, on all the levels. You know, I think even people are like, yeah, I just, missional community i saw that one video with jeff it all looks so beautiful like let's jump in and it's gonna be so great and we're gonna see all this miraculous stuff happen and uh and then the 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 reality is is like what you're saying is it's the most powerful things usually end up being the most inconvenient things and the things that you plan sometimes don't turn out to be the most incredible experiences that you thought and and then in the end, it's like, will I see, will I continue in this long obedience uh, mm-hmm. in the same direction? Because that's even ultimately what builds up a, a great name for Jesus in your community, neighborhood or apartment. And so, yeah, I think that that's just true on on so many levels of, of counting the cost and then being committed to that process. And, and for your own sake, too, as you're saying. Yeah. It's almost like there's uh, intentionality behind scripture telling us, don't grow weary of doing good. Right. 
it ain't all fucking pancakes. But you know, yeah. Yeah. really good pancake flipper, though. <laughs> I have one talent in life: it's round pancakes. That's perfect. We've now transferred that skill to our yearly camping trip with our church family and the pastor's pancake breakfast on Saturday morning. <laughs> nice. It's good. You know, my special skill is uh, parallel parking. And, you know, it's like if that was a professional sport, I'd be a millionaire. But it should be. It should be in the Olympics. It should be. So should pancake flipping. I agree. Yeah. I think we could start our own version of the Olympics. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the the Mission Olympics. <laughs> That'd be funny. Yeah, that's that's so good. And I guess some other advice or question I have is just, you know, what about people who are in apartments right now and they're not connected to a, a great organization that's just, it's where God's put them. What like wisdom do you have for them of, of kind of seizing that opportunity of that place and what mission could look like for them? Well, in general, what I like to tell people is don't recreate the wheel if you don't have to. And so find people who are already doing stuff if that's happening and partner with them and not feel like you got to start something new. So for example, if you are in an apartment, uh, just practically, since we're talking about apartment life, like check and see if there's a team there through apartment life and then find out what they're doing and help them out. If there's not, um, start with the basics of just getting to know your neighbors, hmm. hang out at the pool. Uh, if there's a pool, hang out at the clubhouse, if there's a clubhouse, take your, if you have pets, take your, dog for a walk regularly where eat on the patio yeah yeah you know so I, like just be present we we realized that like there was a season where we were just hanging out in the apartment a lot because we would come home from whatever we were doing and tired and just hang out inside mm-hmm. there's definitely times for that you gotta rest too but trying to be present and available outside as much as you can just it's crazy how many opportunities that would open up to say hi to somebody and then the third time you've said hi to them like they might actually stop and give you their name and you know you have a conversation going Mm -hmm. i think one of the things that we learned through our season with apartment life is we really love organic relationships um, and this idea of it but there has to be a huge amount of intentionality Um, because especially in American culture where we are so driven by time, we're a very time sensitive culture, relationships don't happen without intentionality. So we, you don't have to be programmed and, you know, organize a breakfast, but you do have to be intentional. You have to make choices to say, you know what, we are going to walk the dog every day. And when we see somebody, we're going to actually say hi Mm -hmm. and then see what this is from there. And you have to also not enter into every conversation with this idea of like, I got to get to the gospel and you have to enter into conversations and with people with the intentionality of God has created this person. And I want to know this person that God's created and I want to love them as Jesus loves them. And mm-hmm. so that's where organic and authentic relationships come in, not from just letting it happen. You have to be intentional, but it's, it's are you being authentic in that intentionality? And are you, just trying to get to a checkoff point. And that's, people can feel that, you know, people can feel when you're just trying to get to know somebody to invite them to church versus I, I want to love you the way God yeah. loved you, you know? 
Yeah, that's such a good word. And yeah, authentic in your mot- motives. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's so it's so big of, of actually just loving your neighbor because you're called to love your neighbor and know that 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 will get synced up with making disciples. But it's not to uh, I think sometimes we as Christians, we just get so motivated by like, yeah, I'm the guy that brought these people to church or I'm the guy that did all of this um, or gal. And really, it's like, oh, can I love the person in front of me and and care for them and see them come to know Jesus, however God wants to do that, and be prayerful and and thoughtful and and let just God's glory be the motivation is is huge, yeah. yeah and there's this good tension too that we really felt living in apartments, but it's true everywhere. Like as I talked about, there's this transient reality to that community that hey they may be here one year, two years. And so how do I invest in this relationship to the best of my ability now for this time? But also the the other side of that is like, we, we got every day, you know, for the next two years, like this is my neighbor. I'm here in the community. I'm invested. So I got time. I don't got to force these conversations. I don't have to like hurry things along before ahead of the spirit. So there's this tension of like, allow relationships to build over time, hmm. but also there is a reality of, but be intentional with that. Like be very in tune with the spirit and what he's wanting to do and how he's leading that relationship. And when it is time to speak, because there's those times where it's like, dude, you really forced Jesus into that conversation hmm. <laughs> and you don't have to do that. Like Jesus is there. You don't have to force him. In. But there's also times where if you're anything like me, where it's like, okay, that would have been an awesome opportunity to point to Jesus and you didn't say anything, you know? So there's that tension there being intentional and yet not forcing things too quickly. Yeah. And just good, good rules for life or good ways of living. And yeah, thank you guys so much for joining and and sharing part of your story. Do you guys want to give a, I think you guys should give a plug for your coffee company and what you're doing now, because that's kind of, to me, it's like, you know, I, I see what you're doing now and it's like, oh gosh, God's been, you've been on this journey since like for years, you know, like since, since college, God's been like placing these things and your hearts have been just growing, but have always been soft to God's kingdom. So tell us your coffee. Yeah. So speaking of apartments, um, coffee. <laughs> <laughs> blown into each other. Yeah. yeah. So we've just always had, yeah, we've always entered into whether it's the nonprofit world, our church community, you know, doing stuff with apartment life, whatever. Like we've always just been in situations where we're like, man, let's grab coffee. Let's hang out. Like we've always been blessed with the time to do that. <laughs> and so I've been able to see like how conversation happens over coffee, how community can develop over coffee, how sitting down in a shared space, like kind of like a third place shared space, mm-hmm. help build those relationships so we always kind of had in the back of our head, like this dream of being able to create a space like placemaking, mm-hmm. you know, and create a space like that that's shared for community. And in the meantime, you know, we've been working with, through Missio, our church family, and through um, different nonprofit jobs we've had, like working with really uh, disadvantaged, vulnerable parts of our population. So primarily our, our mission community had been working with this condominium property that is highly populated by refugees from all over the world. Uh, And then we've also been working with group homes and kids in the foster care system. 
And having some conversations with our initial community, people are like, man, I wish we could build, like help them build businesses or build a business where we can employ some people. Or we could just hire them because they need a job. Yeah, or we could hire them. And so all those conversations, uh, long story short, culminated in us, like, let's just do it. Let's just pull the trigger and do it. And so we started a coffee roasting company called Cultivate to build a business to help give basically a vehicle for providing job and life skills training to vulnerable youth. And so we started that back in August, 2017, just selling coffee online. And now we're about to open our first coffee shop in Phoenix. And the whole purpose of it is just giving shifts to kids in the foster care system that are about to age out refugee youth, kids at risk of homelessness, Mm -hmm. uh, giving them job skills, giving them life skills training. How do you budget once you have a job, all that stuff. But really, it's an opportunity for us to point them to good news and to Jesus and to mm-hmm. disciple them and just let them see a little bit of the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we get to um, hang out with them on Monday nights and we shape it a lot like a missional community. We eat together and hang out and then we kind of spend some time digging into growth. And so, um, you know, helping them learn to tell their story uh, in an emotional context and in a professional context. And, you know, just kind of take them through life skills and job skills. And then whenever we get a chance, we bring them in to come work with us and give them some paid work experience. And it has been so much fun. And it's just amazing to like, you know, just see like Mm. how much youth like add to the culture of who we are. And like, you know, they have no, no job experience, but some of them, like we throw them in, in one day and they're like, teaching other people how to make lattes by the end of the day. Yeah. It's just really cool. That's so great. That's awesome. So how can people support or get coffee? Cultivatecoffee.org is our website. Nice. So you can order coffee online there. There's also a, a donate button there if you want to support. So that all proceeds are going to us giving the job training, life skills training to the youth and also giving them work opportunities uh, and the meals too that we do on Monday nights with them helps pay for that kind of stuff. That's so great. Awesome. Thanks. I uh, hope people check that out. Thanks, uh, Chris and Bethany. You guys are awesome. So great to chat with you guys today. And for everyone listening, we'll take a short break and we'll be right back to talk more about apartment life. Uh, welcome back. I'm now talking with Pete Kelly, the CEO of Apartment Life, uh, as we were just discussing in the, the previous section of the episode. And Pete, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Brad. Yeah, so you're the CEO of this organization, Apartment Life. Maybe you could give us some of the, the history behind how did this organization come into be and, and what is it all about? Sure, absolutely. Well, Apartment Life was founded almost 20 years ago here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area by a man named Stan Dobbs, who, uh, who's still around, but about four years ago, he handed the baton off to me. But uh, it actually started out of uh, a church-based ministry to people living in apartment communities, and they realized that in order to scale it to reach more apartment communities, it needed a business model for a couple of reasons. One is just for legitimacy, you know, a valid business reason to be in the communities to begin with, but also to help underwrite the costs of it. And so uh, what started back in 2000 on a, on a couple communities is now 
since ground to almost 500 communities and 30 plus states. And we're now even up to Canada. Wow. Which we're pretty excited about. That's awesome. Yeah. And so it's a pretty unique and I think just innovative, brilliant ministry. So uh, there have been several people that we've been connected with over the years that have done that and and have been care team members. What are the goals for like when someone signs up to become one of those team members? Yeah. You know, so one of the things we try to tell anyone who's an applicant is we try to help them understand who we are as a business tree, which mm. the word business tree is a mashup between a business and a ministry. Mm. Uh, we exist to be a mission uh, outreach to people living in apartment communities. So if you were to say which of those two is the most important, it would be uh, the, the mission side of what we do. But we're very serious and sincere about the business side of what we do. Mm. And so we help, we try to help our teams understand that we want you to have uh, a missional impact, a very relational missional impact with people living in apartment communities. But the vehicle to do that is this business model that we offer secular owners. And mm-hmm. so, uh, so probably only a third of the communities we serve are owned by Christians. I'd say the other two thirds are uh, either owned and managed by uh, secular groups or people that might be faith positive, but mm-hmm. relatively neutral to, to uh, so in finding teams, you know, we always try to uh, help them understand on the front end. Uh, it's not just enough to want to have a positive spiritual impact in people's lives. You also have to be able to serve with business excellence. And mm-hmm. when they hear that, they love it because uh, it just makes sense. And they realize, well, one of my greatest witnesses is doing all things unto the Lord with excellence. And so, right. but if they don't understand that on the front end, sometimes they're surprised with uh, the business uh, requirements of what we do. <laughs> and uh, yeah, which I can see for an apartment or property owner, it'd be huge having people in the apartment complex who are building that kind of community just for longevity of tenants and probably fewer crises. And, you know, I'm sure it lowers some of risks and, and increases uh, the benefits and the perks of being in that, those apartments. How do people help with the business approach? Like if someone is a care team member, how do they function in that way? Yep. Yeah. So, well, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, the, the owners and the managers that invite us in, they're really concerned about two things, resident satisfaction and resident turnover. And what we found uh, is that the more relationships residents have in an apartment community, uh, the happier they are and the longer they stay, even when the rent goes up. So our program really helps create a sticky community where people want to stay. They enjoy staying there. They love to do it. And so what we do is we place two people that live in that apartment community, and they're like a welcome wagon. They uh, they, they greet everyone, hmm. new resident when they move in. Uh, they throw all the parties and events uh, that help connect for residents to each other in relationships. They um, look for opportunities to care for people, uh, like in maybe when they're having a baby or if their car breaks down or they're in a job transition or something like that. And then they'll also do renewal visits. So about 90 to 120 hmm. days before that resident's lease is set to renew, They'll swing by and visit them and they'll say, how are are you liking it here? Hmm. So that's the business side of what we do. But as you do that, of course, all of our coordinators are believers tied to a local church. As you do that, you just have hundreds and hundreds of natural opportunities to talk to people about Christ. Hmm. And it's amazing, like the stories of people who will open up and or 
I remember the story of a, a, a young couple from Oklahoma that moved down to Dallas in the heat of summer. And it was like they were moving in on the hottest day of the year here in Dallas. And the team welcomed them. They brought them some cold water. And the wife said, I didn't know people did this anymore in America. Like, I haven't seen this since I was a child. Hmm. And, and so they just welcomed them to the community. Hey, by the way, you know, like a bunch of us in this apartment communities, we all go to church together on Sunday and we all sit together in the balcony if you want to join us. Hmm. Very natural conversation. And so the couple took them up on it. Hmm. They're like, we would love to do that. Well, it wasn't like six months goes by. This couple ends up coming consistently to the church. They even joined it. But then six months later, they, they said, hey, when you when you first met us, you had no idea that our, our marriage was hanging by a thread. Hmm. And the reason we moved down to Dallas was to get a new start on our life. And God used you to connect us in community, to connect us with the church family. And we're in a very different place thanks to you. And so hmm. anyways, that's a long-winded way to illustrate kind of what they do. Yeah, that's so awesome. And it's something that I'm always impressed with is how what what we're trying to do is saturate is, is, you know, is catalyze the church and equip the church to live a life on mission in all the places that God's put them. And I, I love uh, these interactions because I'm always impressed by the fact that, man, people have been coming up with strategies to do this for thousands of years. Apartment life is 20 years old. That's like, this is your bread and butter is, is doing this and equipping people to do that in really normal and natural ways and making a huge impact in, in a community, in a neighborhood. I can only, uh, I always kind of zoom out and then begin to realize, man, if you just in Los Angeles, which I know is probably a hard place to, to get apartment life going, but, uh, man, like how big of an impact would that have on our city? If people had that kind of consistency and joy in their apartment living situations and then added with the gospel and the mission. Like that's just a, a big redemptive thing. Yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right. When we are operating in Southern California, Orange County, San Diego, we'll even Los Angeles as well. Yeah. But yeah, the, the people, what, what a lot of people don't realize is that 95% of people living in apartment communities are completely disconnected from a local church. Hmm. Only, only about 5% of apartment dwellers really are connected to a local church as compared to homeowners, which is like 30 or 40% of homeowners would be connected to a local church. Hmm. So, it's, um, and there's some demographic reasons for that. I mean, there, there are communities of people in transition, a lot of people going through divorce, right. a lot of people moving to the United States for the first time, hmm. but it's, it's a very ripe, unreached mission field. Yeah, I can. I had no idea that those were the numbers. That's that's amazing. And so, for that kind of both business and ministry endeavor, who are the people that you're looking for to join join your team? Like, what are what are the ideal candidates for that? Yeah, well, certainly, if you wanted to know more and read up on it, you could go to apartmentlife.org, and there's a section where you could say, you know. What's it take to ideal profile for a team? But I would say really to go back to what I said earlier is you really need to be able to hold intention, business professionalism hmm. with a missional mindset and to be able to live in both of those worlds comfortably. Uh, it's really helpful. Often, you know, our, our typical profile is a husband and wife team, but we do often have 
two singles of the same gender maybe living together and doing the program. Hmm. It, it helps if one of them is somewhat administratively gifted and the other person uh, a little more uh, outgoing. So if you two, hmm. have two very outgoing people and they're not very strong administratively, uh, that could get you in trouble on the business <laughs> side, uh, right on the missional side. But likewise, if you have uh, just highly administrative people, but they uh, they don't like to get to know their neighbors, that obviously doesn't work very well on the business or the mission missional side. Yeah. So as you as you've been doing this kind of partnering business and and mission in this way, that's pretty unique. I mean, just kind of for where you're at as a CEO operating in both of those fields. How did you get into that? Yeah, so I fell into it, uh, interestingly enough. I um, The first 24 years of my career in ministry was with a mission organization called Crew. used to be known as, as Crusade for Christ. So I, I yeah. basically worked with the college ministry, collegiate ministry for 24 years in different capacities. I always felt like the ministry side of what crew did was awesome, but I felt like sometimes we overlooked good business principles. And so towards mm. the end of my tenure, I felt a little bit restless and actually heard somebody who made a very profound insight, which will be, I think, encouraging to people who aren't in vocational ministry. He said, you know, if you're a pastor, on average, you have one or two hours a week that you can pour into your congregant's life, you know, like they can mm-hmm. show up for uh, a Sunday service and maybe one other training service. But if you are a business owner, if you are a supervisor, if you manage people, you have 40, 50 hours a week to influence hmm. the people under your leadership. And he really made the case like who has the the more, the greater spiritual potential, the pastor or the, the leader of people. And when he said that, I thought, gosh, that makes so much sense. And it was a little seed that the Lord planted in my brain. And when this opportunity came, I'm like, I'm very interested in this. And by God's grace, they took me on. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's, that's so exciting. And, and that's so true that uh, if you're managing or you're supervising someone, yeah, that's such a deep lasting impact that you can have on a person. It is. Hmm. It is. And I know that you, uh, uh, have been lately um, interviewing ordinary disciples in the LA area, and I just think that's wonderful because uh, I think that's where the the greater missional opportunity is is uh, the people who aren't necessarily vocational, paid Christian ministers, mm-hmm. but it's uh, it's the lay people out there who are are I think have the greater potential impact. Oh yeah, and I think that's that's definitely the the heartbeat of of Saturate and, and Soma is that, yeah, we would see everybody regardless of what their W-2 says or what their resume says, they're full-time missionaries and ministers of the gospel. And that that's what every disciple is. Um, that's, that's who we are. Um, whether we're living in houses or apartments or business people or entrepreneurs or engineers, like that's, that's our main vocation our main actual calling is Jesus calling us to make disciples and, and worship him. And yeah. And I think that's, that's why I am so fond of apartment life is, is just a great way to blend those two things. Mm-hmm. As you lead this organization and then live this out, what are some of the challenges for you as, as a person who is a 
a believer who's who's in this to make a kingdom impact and weighing it with business principles and even business realities like bottom lines and payroll and things like that. Yeah, you know, that's a wonderful and insightful <laughs> question, Brad, because there is that was an adjustment for me coming from crew. Uh, in the world of crew, all of the people on staff with crew, they, they raised their own support uh, to, to do what they, they did. So mm-hmm. there weren't central funds to pay people salaries except for what the missionaries themselves raised. And so, you know, if somebody was in a bad job fit or wasn't very effective, very seldom would you just like let them go. You just move them around to another part of the ministry, which is great. I mean, in terms of job security, it's it's wonderful. <laughs> uh, but on the on the downside, it, le- it can lead to some inefficiencies because you start staffing towards things that maybe aren't central to the mission. And one of the, the shocking things for me coming into this world is, is a little bit more like a business. You know, if a crew movement like uh, disappeared or, or or four or five disappeared for whatever reasons, maybe they, they got kicked off campus, there was no economic consequence or impact on crew. But when we lose clients, we lose revenue. And if you lose too many clients, uh, you have to start making difficult decisions about can we keep everybody at their current hours and, uh, you know, or we're going to have to cut back. And so in that respect, it's good. I feel like I have a greater appreciation for people who operate 100 percent in the business world. Hmm. And it, it forces us to to think about being very efficient with our time and our people resources, because we do centrally fund everybody's salaries uh, out of the business model. Hmm. I can imagine that ends up being a, a whole unique aspect of stresses and ways of relying on on God, not just for support fundraising, but just even for, for God to, to work through the different avenues of, of the business. Yeah. Yeah. To, to provide and sustain and grow it. Yeah. I'd say one of the biggest challenges we face, and you might be surprised to hear this, it's not on the secular client side. Hmm. We actually have more demand from clients than we have qualified laborers to fill those roles. Hmm. And so, you know, when Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, we experience that within apartment life. We we probably have 70 to 100 open communities right now that if we had a qualified team that we could place there, we could be on 100 new apartment communities impacting wow. thousands more people. But the challenge is... Um, is you got to find the right people who the Lord has really called. Right. And not just somebody who's looking for, you know, a discount on rent, although we offer that, which <laughs> is a blessing. But you right. know, you're trying to find the people that the Lord has equipped, who've called, that this isn't going to be a burden to them. This is going to be a joy. Uh, they're hmm. going to love serving with excellence and they're going to love having a missional impact. And uh, so every day, every morning and every night at 938, uh, I pray for laborers for the harvest because, uh, you know, Jesus says in Matthew nine thirty eight, harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. Hmm. That is actually incredibly surprising. And that's kind of a, a great uh, soft uh, segue into if people are interested in becoming staff. Yeah, your, your team had shared a, a link for people to go to to find out more and, and to begin to evaluate that and connect with you guys. And that's uh, 
apartmentlife.org slash saturate uh, is, is what we'll use. So people listening to this podcast can, can get connected. That's apartmentlife.org slash saturate. We'll share that in the notes for anyone listening, but maybe, uh, yeah, that, that's such a, a great, powerful thing, man. A hundred communities that are, that are giving you open doors, but the people haven't walked through them yet. Cause we don't have the the people qualified and to do that and called to do that. That's, that's quite a thing to pray for. It is one of our one of our biggest open markets is Phoenix. I think we might have ten or more open communities in Phoenix uh, that wow. we would love. And I know that uh, you know Selma has a has a presence there. We've got communities in the Northwest, up in Seattle. Pretty much, you can go to our website and look at all the the places where we operate. But chances are, any of those, there's going to be some open communities where there's a need. And uh, yeah. all we ask is that the Lord, you know, the, the, you know, folks just really seek the Lord. Lord, is this what you want me to do? Because if God's, you know, calling you to do it, then it's going to be a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. But if you're feeling um, guilted into it or, you know, doing it for other <laughs> reasons, it's going to be a miserable experience. <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's uh, something that I've been yeah, kind of amazed both in conversation with you and Chris and Bethany Preby is it seems like apartment life has a deep concern for the people that for lack of a better term might be being recruited into to this or or people that might be interested you you have a deep concern for them and their hearts and their well-being even as they enter into it you're not just trying to plug people in these communities you're trying to find really good fits and things that are going to be beneficial for for these couples or these these team team members uh, and for the communities. And I, I just think it's really beautiful how you guys are, are operating for just kind of a big holistic concern for the community and for the, the people that, that you would send there. So, so awesome. Well, thank you. No, it's, it's very true. A lot of our, uh, teams, when they get into the program, they're surprised with some of the stresses that come out for many of them. They've never had to plan events with their spouse before. Hmm. And uh, they're like, we never fought like this until we started doing the apartment life program. And we were forced to work so closely together. It's good for marriages, but it can add stress. And and sadly, sometimes it can be hard on the marriage. And so we always Hmm. really want people to have a realistic expectations and know what they're getting themselves into. And we want it to be a good fit for them. That's awesome. And yeah, and, and thanks so much for, for joining me today. And also thanks to, to Chris and Bethany also for joining me earlier. And yeah, if, if you're out there listening and you're interested in learning more, uh, check it out. It's apartmentlife.org slash saturate. Yeah, if you've been listening to us for a while, you're probably learned a lot of some of the core competencies that would be needed to do the ministry side of this, as well as I know there's so many of you gifted administratively as well. And so, yeah, definitely just want to encourage us all to be praying for uh, these open doors, these open communities in the U.S. and Canada for the workers of the harvest to, to come and join them. So thanks again, Pete, for, for coming and, and sharing your heart today. Brad, thank you for having me. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church.
We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.